0: Please open your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 13. So again, if you are a visitor joining us for the first time, uh, we as a church are going through the book of Genesis, and this morning we'll be continuing to look at what God has to teach us through the ongoing story of Abram, a character that we were introduced to a couple of of weeks ago. And uh, this week we'll be studying the entirety of chapter 13, so if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me or you can follow along with the words that will be on the screen. So Genesis 13, beginning in verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, and lot with him into Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock." At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, "'Let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left land, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left.'" And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus he separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever." I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, then your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. May God bless the preaching of his word this morning. Well, church, I'm really excited for uh, our passage this morning. This is a, a wonderful chapter in God's Word. And uh, the story here really is a, a story of two men, Abram and Lot. And the, the decisions that they make throughout this section uh, are going to be decisions that, that we have much to learn from this morning. In these verses, we're going to see a, a wonderful example of what it means to put our trust in the Lord and what the fruits of a life that trusts the Lord are. And along the way, we're also going to see the the dangers and the consequences of putting our hope and our trust in anything other than God. So we're going to jump right in here. The, The main idea this passage is getting at is this. Trusting in the faithfulness of God is the only way to receive the blessings of God. Trusting in God's faithfulness is the only way to receive the blessings of God. And we're going to to unpack this main idea by looking at four main points this morning. First, we're going to see that God calls us to take comfort in his mercy. He calls us to avoid the danger of idols. He calls us to hope in God's promises and to rejoice in God's blessing. So point one, take comfort in God's mercy. So our, our text this morning picks up where we left off last week. And if you were with us last week, you remember that in chapter 12, a, a famine had spread across the land. And instead of tr- trusting in God to provide for him, Abram left the, God, or left the land that God had called him to and he moved to Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, he was afraid that Pharaoh was going to kill him and take his wife because his wife was very beautiful. So he lied and he said that Sarai was his sister and he gave his wife, his own wife, to Pharaoh. Now, not only was this a, a horrible thing to do to his wife, but it, it caused all types of trouble for his family and the entire nation of Egypt. And, and eventually, Abram and his family were kicked out of Egypt altogether. And so that's, that's, where our, that's where we were last week, and that's where our story picks up this week. Abram had messed up bad. He had disobeyed God. He had failed to trust in God. He, he lied. He abandoned his own wife. And, uh, and, and he was kicked out of Egypt and left Egypt in shame. It was a, a rough start to our introduction to Abram, right? And, and the, the drama of this story is now building up and is leaving us asking, how is Abram going to respond to this situation that his sin has got him into. And in his response, I think there's a wonderful encouragement for us this morning. Because like Abram, we can all think of times in our lives where we have dealt with our own shame, the the own wrongdoing that we have done. Maybe we have sinned against God or we have mistreated somebody, we have, we have done something that leaves us feeling that, that sense of shame, leaves us feeling a guilt that we're just not able to quite shake. And in fact, there are many times in life where we deal with guilt and shame similar to Abram. Maybe, maybe different circumstances, but we, we know that shame, we know that guilt. We've all been there, right? And maybe even this morning, some of us are, are dealing in our hearts with those things, and when we find ourselves in situations like this, there are, there are different ways that we can respond. And one way is that we can, we can try to earn our way back into good favor. You know, maybe we have wronged somebody or we've hurt somebody and we, we know that they are disappointed with us. And so, so we seek to, to make up for the wrong that we have done by, by doing a bunch of good things and, and trying to earn back their, their favor. You know, maybe we do this at work with our boss or, or with our spouses or with our, our friends, but we have, we've all been there before, right? Or there's another way that we can often respond we have, when we have done wrong against somebody, uh, and that is that we can, we can withdraw from that person. You know, instead of trying to win back their favor, we actually seek to avoid them altogether. Uh, our shame can keep us from even wanting to be around that person because it, it reminds us of the wrong that we have done, and we are afraid of how this person is going to relate back to us. And these are ways that we can often relate not only to, to people, but we can relate to God himself when we have sinned against him. And, and maybe you tend to respond in that first way. You, you know that you've done wrong. You know that you've failed. Um, you feel this guilt and uh, and so you try to to get back into God's good graces by doing a bunch of good things and, and hoping that in time, if, if you if you live in godliness in another area of life, that maybe it'll it'll make up for your failings in that other area, or perhaps you tend more to to withdraw from God when you sin against Him. The the shame that you feel keeps you from approaching God. Um, and we, remember, this is this is how Adam and Eve. I respond when they sinned against God in the garden, right? They, they sinned against God and so they, they hid from Him. They feared Him. They did not even want to be in His, in his presence. And we can be like this. We can, we can find ourselves hesitant to pray. We can avoid going to God and His Word. We can, we can stay home from church because we, we find it easier to, to avoid thinking about our sin or avoid dealing with God altogether. And, and maybe we just hope that, that as time goes by, that you know, maybe our sin will be forgotten about and we can, just, we can just leave it behind us. But that's not how it works, church. God does not forget about our sin. And neither does God expect or, or ever say anywhere that it is possible for us to somehow make up for the wrong that we have done. Nowhere in the Bible where you see God calling us to relate to him in these ways. But there's a third way that we can respond when we sin against God. And this is the way that restores us to life and joy and fellowship with him. And this is the response that we see in Abram. Again, in in, in verse 1... It says, So Abram went up from Egypt. So he left Egypt, this place of shame and guilt and all this wrongdoing that he had done. He went up from Egypt and he journeyed on from Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai to a place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Now this is a critical moment in the life of Abram. He had messed up really bad, right? He had been ran, he'd been scared, so he ran off to Egypt. He'd been afraid, so he abandoned his own wife. He'd been called by God to follow him and to care for his family. And he didn't do any of those things. He failed at, at both of these things, and he brought great pain and disgrace on his wife and his family. He endangered the entire nation. He, he had abandoned God's call on his life. And so now, what is Abram going to do? Does he really think that God is going to forgive him and accept him? Yes, he does. Abram rightly understood that God is a gracious and a merciful God. And so after his failure, he runs back to God. Verse 4 says, Abram journeyed to the place where he had made an altar at the first, and there he called out to God. Now, now what was this altar that he he went to? This was the the altar that he had built in the place where he first experienced God's grace, where he first received the call of God's promise of blessing. This altar is, is what Abraham had built in testimony to God's goodness and faithfulness to him. So so Abram returning to this altar is is not him seeking to earn God's favor. And it's certainly not him seeking to avoid God. Abram is calling out to his God who he knows is full of grace and mercy. But this is is so contrary uh, to, apart from the gospel, how we are conditioned to think, right? Because we don't experience this type of mercy in the world, And so we don't naturally expect it from God either. I, I don't know if any of you can, can relate to me on this or not, but, but sometimes when, when I've sinned, when I've gone against God's will, I can think, I can think to myself, you know, uh, I've disappointed God today, and uh, I'm sure that he probably doesn't want anything to do with me right now, but, but maybe tomorrow I can pick things back up with God. And what a, what a foolish thought that is, as if as somehow God is just going to forget about my sin, or maybe if I just let 24 hours go by, that things will just be okay again. Or maybe I think that if I just, if I just this coming week, do enough good things, I can, I can make up for the failings of the last week. But this way of, of thinking fails to take into account, for one thing, that the seriousness of our sin but also fails to take into account the unmatched mercy of God. What it means to be a Christian is to live continually believing that it is not because what we have done that determines our position before God. Instead, it is because of what Christ has done for us, because of his death on the cross, that we are loved and accepted by God. So because of Christ, we don't have to live in shame. We can freely confess our sins to God. We can run to Him without feeling like we have to earn back His favor first. I I once heard a preacher say that uh, trying to earn God's favor, like as a Christian, trying to earn God's favor is like trying to make your way into a room that you are already in. That's kind of a confusing statement. It's meant to be. It it highlights the the ridiculousness of our trying to earn God's favor. If you are a Christian, you are already in that room. You cannot work your way into God's favor because you already have God's favor. And so if you're here this morning and you're feeling the, the weight of your sin You're wondering if your guilt has forfeited God's desire to bless you. See in this passage God's heart for you. Do not hide from him. Do not seek to earn his favor, but run to him and receive his love and his mercy. This is the confidence that Abram had. And as we continue in our story this morning, we're going to to see him walking out this faith, walking out this confidence in some incredible ways. And I think we're going to be encouraged and challenged to do the same. So point two, avoid the danger of idols. So after this experience in Egypt... Abram left and journeyed to the land that God had originally called him to dwell in. And now because of God's great grace and mercy, Abram had become exceedingly rich. And in verse 5 it says that, that his brother Lot, who had also grown quite, quite rich, had traveled with him. And the, and the both of them had acquired so much land and wealth and livestock uh, that there was not enough space for both their families. And so these, these quarrels, these fights, were breaking out among them. So, so basically, Abram had, had been so blessed by God, and, and Lot had been blessed by his association with, with Abram, that there were just too many people, too much livestock, that they needed to separate and establish their own territories. And in verse 8, Abram comes up with a solution. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me." If you take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. So basically, Abraham is saying to his, to his brother, you pick the land that we will dwell in. Now, this is, this is a generous thing, and, and it, but it might not seem like that big of a deal to us today, kind of in our culture. But remember, back in this time, they lived off of the land. So their survival was dependent upon finding fertile land for their crops and their livestock. So, so for Abram to make this offer was incredibly generous to Lot. And we'll get more into Abram's generosity later. But first, I want us to look at Lot's response. Because there's important warning to us when we see his decision. Verse 10 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered. Everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like in the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Now, at first glance, this decision seems like it makes a lot of sense, right? You know, Lot looked out, he saw the Jordan Valley, he saw it was beautiful and well-watered, and so it seemed like a a perfect place to continue to thrive in. The text says that, that Lot looked up and saw. They saw the Jordan was what he thought would give him the best life. The verse says that he looked, that it looked like him, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt with all its cities and all its prosperity. So so basically Lot looks out at this land and in a very calculated way says this is the good life. Lot has lots of wealth and he sees this as a way to grow in even more wealth and prosperity. Now, again, if, if we were in Lot's shoes, we may have done the very same thing, right? You know, he seemed to have made a, a reasonable choice. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with pursuing wealth or, or, sec- or securing a good life for yourself. But the text gives us some clues about a very serious problem with Lot's heart when he made this decision. Again, verse 10 says that that Lot looked at the land and chose it because it reminded him of Egypt. He saw in it the potential for comfort and security that that other nations had. And so it it was a safe and a comfortable option for Lot. However, God had called them away from Egypt and out into this new land where they would have to trust in God to receive the blessings that he had promised them. There was was safety in the cities, but God had called them into the wilderness where they would have to rely on him alone. And even though God had made good on his promises to Lot, Lot still selfishly chose to take the whole land for himself. And in doing so, he chose to move closer and closer to the wicked nations that they had just left. And the heart issue that we see in Lot's decision apart from his, his uh, blatant selfishness, is the fact that he wanted God's blessing, but he had no desire to actually follow God. He looked at the land, he, he saw it looked like the garden of the Lord, but as he went after it, he took himself further away from the Lord. And, and, and this, this can be so true of our own lives as well. We we, we often want and, and pray for God's blessing in this life, but we aren't willing to follow God's call on our lives. We often want good things from God, but we don't care to have God himself. Prosperity and comfort and success can, can become more important to us than the one that provides these things. It can be easy for us to, to judge a lot here, Right? But but can't we do the very same thing in our own ways? There, there are things in life that we want so much, that we desire so much, that we are, we are willing to abandon God's will for our life in our pursuit of them. Perhaps it's, it's success in our careers and we're we're willing to make ethical compromises at, at work or, or sacrifice time and care for our families in order to, to work more hours than we know that we should. Perhaps what you desire is a, is a relationship and love and, and rather than trusting in God's will for your life, you, you have given in to sin and you're living and giving yourself in ways that you know are wrong. Perhaps what you want is a, a comfortable life and a secure life and this is keeping you from being generous with your time and your money and your resources to those around you. You know, we, we all have areas in our life where we can we can deceive ourselves into thinking that we can find happiness and satisfaction apart from the will of God. We can, we can crave the pleasures of the garden without concern of whether or not we have God with us in the garden. But when we do this, we make, we make idols of these things. And idols never truly satisfy. And then we find ourselves... Uh, Craving more and more, and, and making compromises um, to find what we're looking for, we we slip further into sin. We we find ourselves living selfishly, like Lot, who who instead of choosing a way that that both he and his brother could benefit, he chose the whole land, the whole Jordan River, so that he alone could benefit from it. He he was a man. Nervously and selflessly making idols out of comfort and prosperity instead of looking to God to satisfy. But idols always leave us wanting more. And they lead us towards paths of destruction. And Lot is well on his way down that path. In verse 12 it says, Abram sailed in the land of Canaan, while Lot sailed among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So Lot's pursuit of good things in this world outside of God's will led him deeper and deeper into the wickedness of the world. In the preceding chapters, we are going to see much trouble come upon Lot as he becomes more and more entrenched into the wickedness of these cities, and one city that God will eventually destroy because of their great evil. So Lot's idolatry put him into great danger. And church, it's a danger that we must avoid in our own lives as well. But while Lot serves as our example to avoid, Abram serves as our example to follow. And this leads us to our third point this morning, which is to hope in God's promises. So remember again from earlier how, how Abram had made this gracious and loving offer to, to Lot to uh, choose the best part of the land for himself. And again, this, sharp, this stands in sharp contrast with his brother, right? While Lot made this selfish decision and distances himself from God, Abram chose generosity and to draw near to God. See, Abram remembered the promise that God had made to him to bless him, to make him a great nation, to use them to be a blessing to all other nations. And so Abram's trust was in God. His belief was that God would provide for him. And this helped him to be free, to to be generous to others and toward his brother. As we continue now in this chapter, we we see God reaffirming the hope that that Abram had been putting his whole life into. We see this in verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all that land that I see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And the wording here is is so powerful. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his own eyes. And he saw something better than what God had given to him. But here, Abram is allowing God to lift up his eyes. And to direct his gaze and to show him the path that he should follow. Abram trusted God, and he was willing to follow God into the wilderness, and he believed that God would provide for him. This is why he was able to be so generous. Remember, Lot was the the younger brother, so so culturally, as the older brother, Abram would have had the right to make the choice about the land. And so to give up this right was not only generous, but it was was counter-cultural. But he trusted that no matter what land he ended up with, God would care for him. And this this would not have been an easy decision for him. Remember, they had just experienced this long famine. and, And now he's letting someone else decide his fate and decide what land he would now have to survive on. But Abram so trusted in God, so believed that God would come through on his promises, that he was able to let go of his rights. He was able to let go of his security and his comfort because he found these things in God. That's why Abram was able to say, okay, Lot, you have the whole Jordan. It, it matters not to me. And friends, this is what life is like as a Christian. This is the freedom that we have when we trust in God. We don't have to cling to our rights. We don't have to know exactly how things are going to turn out in life. We don't have to withhold good from others. We we are free from having to pursue every desire of our heart even if it violates God's commands as if somehow our will is better than God's. As if somehow giving in to, to sexual sin is going to lead to a more fulfilling life in the end. If somehow harboring anger against your spouse is somehow going to make your life better as if somehow protecting yourself rather than living generously towards others is going to somehow make life more fulfilling for you but but we know how foolish this is it never turns out that way i can never think of a time in my life when it turned out that trusting god and walking in obedience to him was a mistake Not once. I can think of a a multitude of times when I wish that I had been obedient to Christ. Thousands of times I I would love to take over and do what I know God asked me to do, but never have I trusted in God. Never have I walked in obedience and then looked back and thought to myself, that was a mistake. Life would have turned out better if I had gone my own way. Never is that the case in life. And if you are a true follower of Jesus, then I feel quite confident that you could never think of a time like that either. In fact, if you could, if you could think of a time in life where it actually would have been better to have rejected God's will for your life, then our faith would be a joke. It would would be a cruel joke because it's, it's holding you back from a better life. But Christianity is not a joke, church. God's call on your life is always better. And he always comes through on his promises. He is the most satisfying. Our lives as Christians is based on the premise that that is true. This is why we follow Christ even when it seems difficult, even when we, it's uncomfortable because we know that God will be faithful. Are you, are you having trouble being generous in life? Lift your eyes and see what you have in Christ. Are you living in anger, wishing that others would respect you more? Lift your eyes, see who you are in Christ. Are you finding it hard to let go of your sin? Look up and see that Christ is more satisfying. This is the example that we see in Abram. He put all of his hope in the promises of God and he let his life be directed by that hope. Instead of forfeiting God's blessings, he received God's blessings. And this led him to a place of worship. And this leads us to our final point here this morning, which is going to be very brief. It's just going to serve as a a final encouragement to us this morning as we finish our time together. So, point four, rejoice in God's blessing. Verse 18 says So Abram moved his tent and came and settled in the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So, this story ends where it began with Abram at the altar worshiping God, at the place where he first experienced God's grace and the promise of his blessing. And I love how Abram went before the Lord in worship, even though he had not yet received all of God's promises. He had experienced God's mercy, he had tasted some of what God had promised him, but he was still being led into the wilderness after being given the the leftovers of the better land. And there was much uncertainty. There was much left to be explained to him. There was still great danger and unknown facing him. But Abram was confident that the God who had been good to him so far would be good to him in the future. And so he followed God into the unknown with rejoicing in his heart. And that's how it is with us, church. We have been blessed by God. We have seen his faithfulness. But have we seen all of it? Have we seen all of God's promises come true in our lives? No. But we still rejoice. We don't wait for all that we are hoping for to come true before we recognize that God is worthy of our worship today. And so, even for us here this morning, we're gathered here in worship, right? And we're we're able to do so even in the midst of unanswered questions, even in the midst of, of trials that we have faced in our own wilderness this past week, even in the midst of sadness in our own hearts over sin, because God has lifted our eyes to see him and we have tasted and seen that he is good. I love this chapter. I love how the story is a little microcosm of the, of the entire Christian life, right? We, we fail, but then we receive God's grace and mercy. And when we do so, that frees us to love and to be generous as well. Because God proves Himself to be faithful. And, and then when we experience His blessing, we return again to the altar where we rejoice and declare that He alone is the one who satisfies. And as we're satisfied in Him, it gives us strength to resist sin, to follow Jesus. And even when we don't follow Him perfectly, we can still run to Him and find life and joy because He is always faithful. And this is why we worship. In a moment, we're going to go back into singing. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. We're going to continue in fellowship together, and we do so rejoicing. This week, church, let us take comfort in God's mercy even when we fail. Let us resist temptation and turn to Him. Let us resolve to have hope in God's promises to us and let us rejoice as we experience His blessing.